I'd like to say I appreciate the opportunity to be back at Bethlehem. This uh, we preacher had been texting some and uh, and uh, <clears throat> relaying message, getting ready, and there's somebody here from the church where I am a member, and they came to see if I could stay within seven minutes. So I'm going to try to do that and uh, and cover the subjects. But it is good to see this many come out. And we are thrilled tonight because <clears throat> that we can celebrate uh, the, the death, burial, and resurrection. And I want to say ascension back to the Father that completed the plan of salvation. So tonight I've been asked to uh, cover the first uh, word, <clears throat> and that is uh, from the book of Luke, uh, the 23rd chapter in verse 34. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, when we go back and look at this uh, uh, scripture, this verse, there was at least six things that they had accused the Lord of being guilty, uh, that He was supposedly deserving of death on the cross. And one of them, if we go back to verse 2 in chapter 23 of the book of Luke, they began to accuse him, saying, We found this fellow perverting the nations. You know, Jesus came and he came to seek and to save those that were lost. And, uh, and since, uh, you know, he came uh, teaching and preaching, uh, following up the John the Baptist as he began to preach repentance and forgiveness of sin. And there were so many of those that uh, were still holding under the, to the Mosaical law and and so they accused Jesus of perverting the nation. So that was one account. Another account that uh, he was guilty of forbidding to give to Caesar. Well, you know, Jesus said in the book of Matthew, Matthew 22 and 21, he said, render unto Caesar the things that belong to Caesar and render unto the Lord the things that belong to the Lord. The Lord didn't forbid people paying their taxes and giving honor to uh, their leadership of their country, but He wanted them to obey the Lord. And that's what God still requires us today. He wants us to be uh, honest, tax-paying citizens to support our communities and, and support those that are in charge. Uh, but He wants us to obey the Lord. And uh, that hasn't changed. And this is what Jesus taught when He was on the earth. Another account that you know, they accused Him of, that he was uh, uh, Jesus claimed to be the King. Uh, because he was the Son of God. And uh, so they refused uh, him on that. And, and then uh, a fourth thing, that they accused him of stirring up the people. You know, when Jesus came preaching and teaching, and, uh, and, and uh, uh, he began his ministry, you know, he entered around Jerusalem, he branched out into Galilee and, and other sur surrounding towns. But, uh, you know, he was uh, busy teaching, preaching, healing uh, the sick and causing the lame to walk and the, and the, the blind to see and so on. And, and so uh, after uh, the power that they saw in, uh, in Jesus, and they began to tell him, well, this, this is some evil force. They used the term Beelzebub in that day. And then uh, a fifth thing is that the miracles that he did. You know, the Lord was a, is a miracle-working God. 
and, and, and God does it through His Son, Jesus. And, and all of us, you know, each one of us tonight that's here that's been saved, it's a miracle that we got saved. God reached way down, all the way from heaven, convicted our heart and put a trouble there and a sorrow. And then we begin to pray and seek and feel after the Lord. And we find Him precious to our soul and, and we can know that there's a change. And then uh, another, this is not recorded in the book of Luke, but another uh, uh, accusation they had is that Jesus is a friend of the sinner. A friend of a publican and a sinner. I'm glad He was my friend. I'm glad He's a friend to each one. If you're here tonight and you're lost, the Lord will be your friend. If you allow him to be, if you'll come to him and search for him and feel after him. And then uh, one of the major things they said, he's a blasphemer because he says he's the son of God. And you know, there was only one of those. You think about even in our today's world living, you know, the acquisitions of people and, and seem like it's a common thing, you know, to accuse somebody of something. But here Jesus uh, received the same kind of treatment. And, and, uh, but yet, uh, here in this Scripture, He forgave them. He, even though He had all this burden and all the accusations, He forgave them. And, and uh, He said they know not what they do. They knew what they were doing, but they didn't realize the consequences. That was coming. You know, people today know what they're doing because he that knoweth to do good and, and doeth it not to him it's sin. So it's not that we don't know to do, it's a consequences. You see, when we neglect to, to realize what great love and what great mercy that Jesus did on the cross when he gave his life, they, they, they said they took his life, but he gave his life because he loved us and he cared for us. And then we find uh, there uh, the things they did to him. You know, they parted his vesture. You know what a humiliating thing to do on a cross. And, and they just parted his vesture. And then they gamble. They cast lots. And, uh, and then, uh, you know, they, 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 they put a crown of thorns on him. They'd already done that. And, and then they, they, they pierced his side. And forthwith came the water and the blood. I'm thankful tonight that He gave His life. They didn't take it, but He freely gave it. And you know, if you're here and you're lost tonight and, and you don't have that peace in your heart, I want you to know that the precious blood of Jesus that stained the old rugged cross is just still sufficient to wash you and cleanse you as deep as sin has ever stained your heart and put a peace in your soul. And you can rejoice in the Savior's love. You know, Jesus there, uh, he, he, you know, he taught something there that for a person to learn, you know, when we come to this world, we're by nature the children of wrath. And, uh, but you know, for us to behave ourselves, we've got to have a sense of belonging. We, we've got to realize and believe we belong someplace. And when God saves our soul, he writes our name in his role book. And He gives us a peace in our heart. And we have a sense of belonging. And then that causes us to want to behave ourselves. You know, if they're a nation, if people had that, it would be a wonderful place to live. And that's what's going to be so different from heaven. People know how to behave themselves. Everybody be treated right. But you know, in closing, I'm going to say, in the book of John, the fourth chapter and the fourth verse. First John. <clears throat> he says... Talks to his little children. And he says, Greater 
is he that is in you than he that's in the world. I want you to know tonight in closing, when God saves your soul and he puts his peace in your heart, and you have that testimony. You talked about it. You know, we need to talk about this. It's worth telling about. It's worth rejoicing about. It's worth praising the Lord about. But he puts a testimony in her heart. Greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. That's the reason Jesus was victorious. May God bless you is our prayer. Brother Gene. Amen and amen and amen. Well, tonight I've been honored and privileged of sharing with you the second word tonight as we look in the Word of God in the book of Luke, uh, Luke in the 23rd chapter. And they asked me, what verses are you going to be sharing? Well, I'm going to tell you, even on Sunday morning, there's a lot of times when I walk in the pulpit, it changes. So uh, uh, this afternoon, I roll back to verse 39. So we're going to gather a little more ground, but I'll, I'll promise you, I'm going to do my very best to stay within those seven minutes. So tonight, Luke 23, beginning in verse 39. It says, And one of these criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered, rebuking him, and said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence and condemnation? Wow. And when we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when, you're, when you come into your kingdom. And he said unto them, Truly, I say to you today, church say that, today you shall be with me in paradise. Folks, I'm grateful tonight to be here with you and honored to be able to share with you this message on salvation. Because this is exactly what takes place here. It's a message on salvation we find in this text tonight. Because I want to share with you this about tonight about this. You know, when I think about this, what a great place to get saved. What a great place to get saved. Here this old sinner was on the old rugged cross. He won on each side of Jesus. And, and as I look at that and picture that tonight, I believe tonight that we're all described here. Amen? We're all described here. All of us are robbers and all of us are thieves. You say, Brother Gene, wait a minute. I, I believe what the Word of God said in Romans 3.23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Can you say that word with me? All. Amen. That's all of us. And I believe that tonight with all my heart. You see, one of these thieves was just like he was the very day that he was convicted by the government. He was the very same way. Nothing, no change had come about him. But the other was on the other side of grace. Amen. He was on the other side of grace because you see, love, mercy, and grace hang between them. And they're up on that old cross right there in the center. I'd like to say tonight that the other is on the other side of grace. Some here tonight may be on the wrong side of grace tonight, uh, while others may be on this side of grace. Glory be to God. I'm thankful for my salvation tonight. But I want you to know that both of these men who hung on each side of my Savior was in the same boat up until verse 38. You see, there he was when he heard those words, this Jesus, this is the King of the Jews. I believe this was life-changing uh, to him. And I believe that there was a great conviction for the second time who come upon this man. Not by the government, but by the Holy Ghost. I believe that it is here in this time, as he heard these words, this is the King of the Jews. One of these thieves, they had been listening. They had listened to the crowd. They had listened to Pilate. They had even listened to the other thief. But I believe here, that my friends, there was a great change you began. He began to deny the crowd. He began that night to deny the other thief. And you find there in verse 40 in this text tonight, you'll find that you do not even fear. Listen, he said, 
God since you're under the same condemnation. This was the divine work of God, I believe tonight. And when you look in verse 41, you'll find in that text, if we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done no wrong. He now, maybe for the very first time, has ever admitted that he has done wrong, that he has sinned in his entire life. Because why? He is now in the presence of Jesus Christ. But I believe tonight as we look deeply into this, how does he know this? How does he know that he has done wrong? How does he know that he has sinned? Well, I believe tonight... When we begin looking and looking at this text, I believe that Pilate said that this man has done no wrong. I find no wrong in this man. But yet they was willing to crucify Jesus Christ. But even tonight, he has done no wrong. But listen to this. He himself knew that he had done wrong, but he admitted here that Jesus had done no wrong. My friends tonight, how does he know this? How do we know this? I believe that he saw Jesus for who he was. As he saw Jesus there hanging upon that cross beside of him, he understood for the very first time that this was a spotless, blemishless Lamb of God who came to give his life for sinners. The King of the Jews, the King of the Jews tonight, as we look at Jesus Christ as King of the Jews, how once again, my friend, I believe that this is a divine thing that God is opening up the minds and the hearts of lost people even today. So today, I believe that when the Spirit of God draws you nigh by, I believe that you can see, I believe that you're going to have an understanding that the world will never possess. Amen? But I believe also this, we find this man in a state of repentance. You say, how can that be? I believe that he admitted his wrong before the Lord. I believe that with all my heart tonight. You notice this. He then says, Jesus, he says, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He has just acknowledged Jesus. He has just acknowledged Jesus. Not only has he acknowledged Jesus, he's acknowledged Jesus as King. My friends, because he believes that there's going to be a coming, a great coming, there's going to be a great kingdom. And I'm going to believe that tonight that he's going to reign. He's going to be Lord of Lords, King of Kings. And today, I can call Him Father. I can call Him Savior. I can call Him Friend. My friends, tonight, as we look into this text tonight, we are to be excited as Christians. We are to get excited tonight because we know what the Savior has done for us. My friends, listen. He has just, listen, he has just placed His hope in Jesus Christ. He has placed His hope in Jesus Christ. Oh, you say, don't tell me, preacher, that tonight that you believe that this man just got saved. Well, how could this be? He was a dying thief. How could he be saved? How could he be saved? Why? He was not in a church. He wasn't in a Baptist church, a Methodist church, Church of God, Pentecostal, Church of Christ, or any etc. I don't want to leave anybody out tonight. My friends, he wasn't in a church. How could he be saved? How could that be possible tonight? Why, preacher, do you believe this? You say, man, there wasn't even an altar, not a mourner's bench, no water, no nothing. How could he be saved? My friends, I want to tell you tonight, my salvation is due to the Lord. I believe in the blood and I believe in the cross and I believe in the coming again because He has been raised. Glory be to God. My friends, tonight, how can we say this? How can you say this? How can you... He never did any service for the Lord. He never did any service. He never did any good works. And I say, how could He? He was nailed to a cross. How could He? My friends, tonight... I believe today that we need to be preaching Christ and Christ alone. Christ and Christ alone. Listen, I believe that this man, he saw himself in his lostness and he believed on Jesus. 
He believed on Jesus. He believed in his head. He believed in his heart. My friends, what I'm trying to say tonight, I believe that he had a head faith. I believe that he had a heart faith. And I believe when you combine these two together, you've got a saving faith. My friends, tonight, you say, are you sure? I don't believe you, but I'm going to ask you something. Will you believe Jesus? Will you believe Jesus tonight? Because he said, what? Today. Say it, church. Today. Today you'll be with me in paradise. And my friends, today I believe this still that Jesus Christ is still saving souls. And I believe tonight that you will leave here as one of these thieves. You'll leave here lost or you'll leave here saved. Which will you choose? Which will you choose? Tonight I am not here tonight to say, Hey, I want you to be a Baptist. I want you to be a Methodist, Church Christ, Church of God, Pentecostal, etc. Don't leave nobody out. But tonight... I pray that when you leave, that you leave, that you know you've been bought by the blood of the Lamb and that you're a Christian who's been saved by the grace of God through faith. Tonight, which do you choose? Which do you choose? Lost person, tonight I beg of you. Tonight, I'm asking you to see your need for a Savior and to see your need to come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life. Jesus came, as Brother Billy Neal said tonight, to save sinners. This is the one thing My friends, listen to me. You don't have to go and be in Sunday school or church all of your life. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be some great theologian. My friends, tonight in order to be saved, you need to know that you're lost. That is the one condition. Do you know that tonight? Do you know? Do you know? I want to ask you tonight. Do you know that you're lost or do you know that you're saved? In other words, do you know that you know that you know? My friends, tonight, you need to know something. You need to know something. You need to know Jesus. How can this tonight... How can this not? How can he save me? Ain't that a wonderful question? How can he save me? Many of y'all know me from my past. How can he save Gene Gerald's? And you're sitting there now. How can he save someone like me? I'm going to tell you the blood still applies. I'm going to tell you tonight, the blood is still, it's still as strong today. I'm going to tell you tonight, you're sitting here wondering all these things tonight. And I want you to know this today. You say, but Brother Gene, that was before Jesus ascended back into heaven. That's why you get saved then. My friends, I want to tell you, Jesus is the same yesterday as He is today and will be tomorrow. He still has the saving power. My friends, tonight I ask you and I beg of the yes. Be reminded of this. Oh yes, it's Friday. But glory be to God, Sunday's coming. Good evening. Like I say, it's good to be here at the Bethlehem once again and uh, thankful for another opportunity that's been granted to us to be able to stand uh, for the Lord once again. And uh, <clears throat> You know, my thought, the uh, Lord placed on me uh, about affection coming from the uh, <clears throat> book of John. We know as Christ was crucified here, uh, uh, we know that His mother was among the crowd and everything. And uh, reading from the 26th verse, it tells us, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and disciples standing by whom he loved, he said unto his mother, Mother, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour the disciple took unto his own house. Took her into his own house. Excuse me. You know, I've been out trying to meditate on this thought day and sort of praying about it a little bit and everything. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, sometimes I like to title my message... Uh, uh, every once in a while, and if I had put a title on this message, it'd be Family Ties. 
You know, as we get in this message tonight, uh, 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 we know that uh, um, uh, Mary, as uh, she was there at the cross, uh, uh, her uh, uh, son Jesus, who was sent here to this world to die for our sins, to uh, be the perfect sacrifice for our sins as He was hanging there upon that cross. Uh, I believe that He looked there upon His mother there and uh, uh, He uh, probably had a bit of sorrow within him, within Himself uh, uh, for what she was witnessing. And uh, uh, I believe as He looked to the disciple there, He told her, Behold your mother here, take her to your house there and take care of her. Uh, we're church, you know, the thought that the Lord has placed upon me tonight when it comes to that, uh, being with family ties is how us as God's children, do we have the affection that we should have uh, towards the next generations that's coming up? You know, and I, I'm very fortunate tonight to be able to stand here tonight and look back there and see my mother, uh, uh, see my sister, my uh, uh, brother-in-law, my in-laws, my wife, and two kids out there in the crowd tonight. And uh, I'm thankful for them to come. In. But you know, one thing I'm very, very thankful for is my mother who's back there tonight that uh, 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 she grew up in this old way here. She grew up uh, 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 hearing this Word of God being preached out. And uh, uh, she had that time and place of salvation that you have heard of tonight. And she knew uh, uh, us and my father that uh, uh, there would come a time that if we lived to be long enough uh, that we would reach that age of accountability and that we would realize that we was lost and separated from the Lord and that we need to know what to do at that time. And I'm thankful not to know that our parents had the same affection for us uh, to realize our children need to be brought up in church. Uh, and you see, uh, uh, that night uh, uh, when I turned 10 years old in revival over that Red Hill Missionary Baptist, uh, uh, when I felt that convicting power fall upon me and the Lord let me know, hey, this thing known as sin has come in between me and you. You're at the age of accountability now and you need to be seeking me. I knew what to do. Uh, and I'm so thankful for that. And uh, uh, church enough that the Lord saved my soul as a 17-year-old boy. I want you to know that is not just the end of it uh, for us as God's children, but instead we should have affection among ourselves. You see, I can look out amongst this crowd here tonight, and uh, you know, I don't know nobody's condition out there tonight except for my own. I've heard my mother's testimony, several others' testimony, and a uh, uh, friend, I want you to understand tonight that I can't look at you and tell you if you've been saved. There's no man that can do that. That's between you and God. It's His perfect plan of salvation. He's the only one that can give that free gift of salvation. Uh, but yet, uh, I do see those uh, out here uh, without a doubt they are going to be at the age of accountability someday. Uh, some that are probably at the age of accountability right now. They might be lost right now for all that I know. And church, we need to be taking it seriously. Uh, you know the scriptures it tells us uh, 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 back before Christ was crucified uh, uh, that uh, at one point uh, as he was getting ready to uh, uh, cross across the uh, uh, sea enter into a boat there uh, he looked out upon the multitudes and was moved with compassion wasn't he? You see without doubt he looked out there and he saw what he was going to be shedding his life's blood for there on that cross at Calvary and I believe uh, uh, when he looked out amongst that crowd he seen several people People who's probably done a lot of wrong in their life, but yet he had compassion upon them. He realized his blood was going to be shed for them just as much as it was for the most holy person or the uh, uh, well-meaning person that's ever lived here on this earth. Amen. But he had compassion upon them. Amen. You see, church, 
us when it comes to affection. Uh, sometimes I believe that we forget us as being children of God. Uh, uh, that comes with a responsibility that's being passed on to us. You see, as Christ was hanging there upon that cross, uh, uh, you know, I, I believe myself that every action that He did here upon this earth uh, wasn't simply uh, just for the salvation of our soul, but for the building up of His church. I believe that wholeheartedly. And uh, I want you to understand, you can read on the book of 1 Kings about two men there, uh, one named Elijah and one named Elijah. And it tells us uh, uh, that Elijah, as he passed by Elijah one day, he cast his mantle there upon him. In other words, hey, it's your turn uh, to carry this now. And church, us as church members, we need to be realizing that the Christ uh, that shed His life's blood there upon that cross uh, uh, not only died for the sins of us, but to give us the opportunity that we might be saved and be able to unite in His church body. And that does come with a responsibility to grow in grace through Him and to carry that man along. But how can we do that if we don't have the affection first? You see, our Lord, He had plenty uh, a lot of affection for us, didn't He? When He died for us. You read in the Scriptures, and He'll tell you there, you've done heard some accounts about how bad He was done, but Brother uh, uh, Billy Neal there, uh, uh, some of the torture and the pain that He went through there, and He did that for us because of His affection. I'll tell you what, as children of God, we should be a very, very affectionate people. And we need to understand with those family ties, that responsibility carries on to us, doesn't it? You see, I've got two kids back there myself, and uh, 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 it's my responsibility, I believe, that uh, uh, once the Lord blessed uh, me and Brooke with them to make sure that they're in the house of the Lord so that they can hear this holy truth being preached. So that when they grow to that age of accountability and the Lord lets them know that they're lost, that they're going to know what to do. They're going to know about this man on this Jesus who died on that cross at Calvary. And they're, con- they're going to come to the understanding, uh, uh, contrary to what the world teaches them today, uh, that this is not just a fairy tale that was written by man. Uh, it is a holy word of God. It will be standing when this world is on fire someday. And that uh, uh, that man named Jesus died for them just as much as he did me or anybody else out there. Are we truly as affectionate as we should be as God's children? Church? Bethany's calling you. You better answer that. <laughs> Couldn't help it. I lost my train of thought there. I saw, I saw an affection. But church, we should be a very, very affectionate people. You see, when the Lord saves your soul, and I believe when He leads you to unite with this church body, He places you here with a purpose and with a reason. You see, we're gathered here tonight, church. We're not gathered here as a social club. The Lord died for this for His people and for His church. We need to handle it with affection. The old scriptures it tells us has come today uh, uh, after Christ ascended back into heaven uh, he left with one promise that he would be back someday. He will be back someday. 
Not only for His church, but for those that have been saved all across the world. Sometimes I wonder, will our Lord be truly pleased while the state that He finds us in sometimes when He comes back? The Scriptures, it tells us before He comes back, the love of me is going to wax cold, isn't it? Church, I'm going to tell you, we can truly see that today. That affection is going out of us, isn't it? Not only is the love of many going to wax cold one for another, but I believe the love of many is going to wax cold for this truth right here. Family ties, church. If you have been saved by that blood that was shed on that cross at Calvary, you have a direct link to Christ right there. You have a direct link to Him right there that's going to take you to heaven someday. And I'm going to tell you, that's something that needs to be held up That's something that needs to uh, uh, be held on to. That's something that we need to be telling this whole lost world about. And how do we do that? I'll try. I know I've probably gone over seven minutes. I'll try to. But Lord, He ain't done with me yet. I ain't going to take a whipping from Him because I've had enough of it. Those Scriptures, it tells us that we're to present our bodies a living sacrifice, ain't we? You know, we can never repay the Lord for what He did for us on that cross at Calvary, can we? I know I never can. Uh, there's nothing we do, but Paul tells us we can do that, which is our reasonable service, can't we? Present these old fleshly bodies as a living sacrifice this world, shun this old world. Be affectionate. Show, uh, uh, show that example of that love that's within us. And I'm going to tell you, you know, the Scriptures, uh, He plainly tells us over in some of James' writings uh, 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 that uh, uh, our God is love and we know that once He has saved this old soul, uh, uh, that He takes that old hard heart out of us and that Spirit resides within us. And I'm going to tell you, you know, Brother Russell, the first thing I know is the moment that the Lord saved my soul was just a genuine love that I had for everybody around me. A genuine love. You can't manufacture that. It was placed there by the Lord. And I tell you what, we need to let it show this whole lost and dying world out there. But I'm going to tell you, when we don't let that love show without us, uh, when that uh, natural affection that we should have uh, uh, towards them does not show through with us, how can they believe that we are who we say we are as children of God? That word affection... You know, Christ had on His mother there. I'm thankful to know that I had a family that had enough affection for me to make sure that I heard this truth. Maybe you're out there in the same spot that I was in, but I'm going to tell you, don't just end with you, with me. It needs to be passed on and passed on down. You know, I believe uh, uh, Lord's church is going to be found someplace that day. Uh-oh, that he does come back. But you know what? It doesn't have to be found here in South Central Kentucky. It don't have to be found in the United States. It's going to be found summers. Affection. I want us all to think about that for a little bit tonight as we're going through this. Ask the Lord, Lord, am I affectionate enough towards those that they can see a difference within me? You know, there's a change that takes place when the Lord saves you. So if you don't believe me, you can read about Paul over there. Uh, before he was Paul, he was uh, known as Saul, a great persecutor of the church. As he was sent to Ananias, uh, you can read in the book of Acts, I believe Ananias was scared to death to see the man coming, and here they was coming simply because of the reputation he had. But I believe when he got there, he saw change, didn't he? 
Let's be an affectionate people, church. Let's show affection to these lost around us. Let's show affection to our families. Show that link from us all the way back to that cross at Calvary. The thing that saved our soul. This has been our message tonight. I've been a little long. I apologize for that. But then again, I don't apologize because I tell you, even preacher tell you, if you quit before you're done, Lord's just going to whip you for it. And uh, But we do appreciate your attention tonight. And uh, God bless you. I'm glad to be here tonight. And I, want, I just want to ask a question. Why are we here tonight? Why are we here tonight? The reason I say that, this, this, we are here talking about the seven last words that Christ said before He was crucified. And I'm going to come with the fourth word, and I'm going to be honest with you. Matter of fact, I'll just go ahead and read that now. That, this isn't the scripture that I want to read from tonight, but I'm going to read the, the, the word that, that I was asked to read tonight. And it's in Matthew Chapter 27, verses 45 and 46. It says, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthion. That is to say, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Now, brothers and sisters, I'm going to be honest with you. If, if the seven preachers that are here tonight got up and each one of them explained that to you, I would really enjoy that because I'm going to tell you, I have been reading and studying, I've been praying and asking God to explain that to me, I've been reading commentaries from other preachers, and I'm going to be honest with you, that is one of the most frustrating or at least to me things because I've asked myself, come on, Jesus... God, what, 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 what's this about? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Well, I'm here to tell you, God did not forsaken Jesus Christ. Jesus fulfilled the Scripture. Now, I'm going in a different direction from where I was going because like the brother said, when God, if I don't do what God tells me to do, He can give you a whipping, is that what you said? <laughs> Let's go to the Old Testament just briefly. And I'll try to keep this to seven minutes. It says in Isaiah 53, some of my favorite scripture. And if you read this, and you pray about it, and you study, and you meditate on it, it's going to touch you. If there's anything in you, if you don't know the Lord, and you read this, and you hear this, it can break your heart because it tells you what our Lord and Savior, it prophesizes what's going to happen in the future, which is what... We read in the New Testament, but this is coming from the Old Testament. It says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom of the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of a dry ground. He hath no form or comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire Him. Now that's talking about Jesus, folks. It says, He is despised and He's rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. 
And we hid, as it were, our faces from Him. And He was despised and rejected. And we esteemed Him not. That's what we've done to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what mankind done to Him. Surely He hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem Him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5. But He was wounded. He was wounded for our transgressions. Not His transgressions. He paid for your sin and my sin on the cross. He voluntarily went to the cross and said, I will pay the sin debt. There's a lot of you that's miserable in your life because you're still trying to get yourself saved. Listen, it's free. It's free. It's hard to serve Him sometimes because we have a sin nature. There's, I still get mad. Anybody ever get mad? Do you ever occasionally say something you shouldn't say? Think something you shouldn't do? But he says, by his stripes, it, says, it goes on to say, by his stripes, not your stripes, his stripes, we are healed. Listen, Brother Gene hit the nail on the head for me a while ago. Thank you, Brother Gene. God bless you. I've been a little bit of everything. First of all, I grew up nothing. And what I mean by that is, I learned how to sell Gene selling whiskey. Half a pint was two fifty, and a pint was $5, and I'm not joking. I'm not proud of that. But I grew up not in church. But I was told that there's only one church. The C of C is the only church. And I went to First Baptist Church, and, I, and, and, and a preacher witnessed to me, a First Baptist Church preacher. He told me I was lost, and I believed him. I went to church for two or three weeks, and I walked the aisle with a lump in my throat, and I accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I went through other things, and I ended up in, in, in the Missionary Baptist Church for years. Loved it. I got my brother Randy Payne back there. Where are you, Randy? I taught Sunday school, led singing. Went through a divorce that I didn't want, but I went through a divorce. And I still love the lady. That's the mother of my children, okay? And I love her. But I've ran the gauntlet. And then Brother Russell... I spent some time in the Pentecostal charismatic church, brother. Some of y'all wouldn't go in them. It would scare you to death. <laughs> so you may sit back there and say, well, you just can't figure out God. And you're just looking for Him. Listen, I found God in every one of those places. Because I wasn't looking for a church. I was looking for Jesus. The Bible says, you shall know the truth and the truth that's what will set you free. Listen, I'm going to close here, but I want you to know, listen, if you're sitting back there and you're trying to earn your salvation and you're worried about whether you're good enough or if you give enough money or, 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 or did you do uh, any sin, let me tell you, I'll guarantee you you sinned. But it says the wages of sin is death. You'll pay for your sins, but salvation is free. He died on a cross. You're trying to work your way into heaven. You ain't going to make it working your way into heaven. Listen, works is a good thing. Works should be a result of the fact that I love the Lord. I'm not working the Lord to try to please Him. I'm working for it because I love Him. And I love mankind. You're right. We need more love, brother. We need more love. We need to care about our brothers and sisters. And we need to get some of these chips off our shoulders. And, and I don't know. I don't know. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to hush. I'm going to hush. 
I don't even know how to conduct church anymore. But I want to tell you something. I'm not anti-church, but I'm definitely pro-Jesus, okay? God bless. I ain't used to a microphone, so y'all just bear with me. If I get to yelling at you, you just, uh, just ignore me and look over it. Um, if you got your Bibles, we'll be reading tonight. John and um, verse 28 was the scripture I was given. And we'll read, uh, this is John 19 and 28. It says, After this, Jesus knowing all things were now accomplished, that the Spirit might be filled or fulfilled, saith, I thirst. Now there was set a vessel full of vinegar, and they filled a sponge with vinegar, and put it upon hyssop, and put it to his mouth. That'll conclude our reading. But the, the scripture tonight that, the, that I was presented with was, uh, I thirst. That was, I guess, the fifth saying of Christ. And... Uh, out of all the scriptures I could have got, I guess the hardest one for me to got was this one. Um, it's uh, I've spent ever since they've texted or since they let us know what we's exactly going to be preaching on. I spent the whole time, every free minute I got, every time I was out off to myself or something, I I'd been pondering this exactly how I'm how in the world am I going to relay I thirst to a group of church people? And um, I was sitting at home the other night, and it just come to me. It's, uh, it's about like our appetite. We all know what it's like to be thirsty. But do we know what it's like to, to be thirsty for Christ or for God? If you read there, you'll find that it says that he, I thirst. And it talks about after he was fulfilling the scriptures. So where's your thirst at tonight? Are you thirsting for the Lord? Where, where are we going? My, I'm terrible with remembering definitions, so I have to write things down. And uh, the definition for thirst is a want or eager desire after. And that's amazing to me because when I think of thirst, I think of thirsty. I think I want a bottle of water and I want something to drink and I want something to cool me off. But you think about this tonight. Christ knew that in that sponge was going to be vinegar. Ain't no doubt in my mind he knew what he's getting because you can read back in the Old Testament over there uh, in um, Proverbs, it teaches that that's what he was going to get. It wasn't real hard to figure out. Christ knew all the scripture back there and he knew what he was to do. But yet he still desired to fulfill the scripture. He thirsted for the right thing. He thirsted for the Lord. He thirsted for me and you. He thirsted for us to be with him. If you'll have it tonight, God said, I want you. He said, I want you and I want you to want me. One of my favorite portions of Scripture is over there in Matthew. You got what I call it the, um, the be attitudes, the attitudes we should be. Um, and it's amazing to me that one of those attitudes is a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. Now, how many of us, I don't want to see a hand because I know if we're all honest, we're guilty of it. Uh, how many of us has lost that desire, that appetite for the Lord, that thirst for the righteousness sake? How many of us just threw our hands up time and time again and say, I'm done, I'm, it's, I ain't no good at this, it ain't worth it, I'm just going to quit. We've all said that at some point, whether it be our job, but I'm pretty sure most of us have said it for church. If you ain't, maybe you're all much better Christian than I am, but uh, <laughs> just be thankful. Um, but tonight, my question is, 
and I guess I'm following along suit with these brothers. Where's your appetite? Are you thirsting? Have you gone after the Lord? Have you showed your children what's right? Have you, are you raising your family to teach them toward the Lord? Which way are you going? I know where I'm going. I'm going to heaven. All because of this man that died on the cross that we're up here trying to preach to you about. Hey, without him, we got nothing. That's it. I mean, he is all we got to cling to. And we want to throw him away. We want to put him up in the closet. We want to say, oh, I ain't going to read him. We're going to let our dust clear their own our Bibles. How many of us are guilty of that? I don't want to see a hand on that either. It's amazing to me how often we'll throw this little book, this blessed book away. And if we knew what this thing come through, this would be the most precious thing in our life. We wouldn't crave money. We wouldn't crave food. We'd crave this Bible. We'd crave this word. I've read and I've studied and i found where God's man has always been fed. God's people's always been taken care of. They might have had to go through a trial or a trouble or a tribulation, but they've always been taken care of. Time and time and time again. You'll see where they run the opposite direction and you'll see where God turns around and brings them right back. He's done us all that way. If we're all honest with ourselves tonight, we all lost our thirst. We've all lost that eager and earnest desire for the Lord. That's my message. What a great privilege and honor it is to be back here tonight. And uh, one of my favorite services all year long. And Brother Paul, I was thinking since 2013, I've been in every service, Good Friday service that we've been able to have. But I don't know that there's been one that I felt like I feel tonight. Because I feel the Spirit is dealing with somebody tonight. And, and uh, every message that's been preached just ties right in together with about the salvation through the blood of Jesus, and that's what we're here to celebrate this week, right? And, and uh, about that hunger that we need, whether it be through the, the love that we need to have for others uh, or just how our lives have kind of gotten in that place that we're not, as Brother Taylor just said, uh, as hungry or thirsty as we should be. And we got to figure out a solution for that, right? When we, uh, when we find a problem, we've got to find an answer for the problem and how to fix the problem or, or we can never get anywhere, right? It's something to realize that something is broken, but it's something else to figure out how to fix it. And my scripture tonight, I'm just going to read one verse, St. John's Gospel chapter 19 and verse 30. And we pick up here where Brother Taylor left off where they brought him the vinegar and he drank that vinegar from that sponge. And verse 30 says, When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, he said, It is finished. It's finished. I thought about finished, Brother Allen. What that means is that it's complete. And I thought about how that all these things that's been said tonight about our lives and uh, lost without Jesus or how we don't have that thirst or that desire or that love. And, and I just got thinking about this, Brother Paul, about being finished. And I kept having this picture in my mind of a jigsaw puzzle. I kept having a picture in my mind. Anybody ever worked a jigsaw puzzle and you opened up the box and dumped all the pieces out on the table and it was just scattered everywhere. And as you begin to work it and put it together and, and how that when Jesus was born, listen, going back to that manger and, and how that, that pieces of that puzzle started to get fit together. And throughout his life, when they found him there and inside that temple teaching and a, a few more pieces was put together. And then somewhere along the, through the next part of his life, and he began his ministry and some more pieces of the puzzle began to get put together. 
and how he got all the way there to the cross and they nailed him there on that cross and there is he was hanging there that last piece of the puzzle right there in the hand amen of God reached down and put that last piece inside that puzzle and he said it's complete now it is finished and I think about our lives tonight. How many times that we feel like as they were preaching about that brokenness of our life uh, or that just realizing that we don't have Jesus in our heart or, or realizing how that we've drifted far away from where we need to be or we're not as thirsty or don't have the desire like we once was and all of a sudden our lives look just like a puzzle broken back. Anybody ever completed a puzzle, brought it back in a box, shook it up, and, and that's the way our lives begin to look sometimes, just in a broken mess. But tonight, can I tell you, because that Jesus went to the cross, because He gave His life, because He shed that blood, He said it is complete tonight, and He's gave us a way that our lives can be complete also. I'm telling you, there's something special stirring tonight inside this building. There's people here tonight, I believe. There's a lot of times we've had the, the Good Friday service and we've seen many people come and pray. There's been times we've seen maybe only one or two, but I believe tonight there's somebody here that feels like their life is in that broken place, that it's scattered abroad, and it needs to be completed tonight. And the only way that it'll ever be completed is to meet this man named Jesus Christ and make Him your Savior. This brother's going to come and preach in a minute and give an altar call. And let me tell you what, I want you to go ahead and begin to realize in your mind tonight that Jesus said that it is finished on that cross. It was complete, amen. Oh, listen, it's ready, meaning this. I'm thinking about completing. Brother Paul, we mentioned that fellowship hall you was going to build. He already told everybody, said, I asked him, said, well, we get that fellowship hall. Can we go back to having those dinners before we have the Good Friday service? Listen, uh, and then think about that. I always relate to food and I've thought about how that maybe you labor over a dinner and you work hard to get everything ready and all of a sudden everything's done and you yell out to the family and say uh, dinner's ready, it's finished, it's complete, it's time for you to come and dine from what have been prepared for you. What makes me think tonight as Jesus said there on that cross it's finished, it's complete the puzzle's been put together. All the work's been done. Everything is just like it needs to be. But now it's your part, your time now, to come and partake from what has been finished. It wasn't that his life had came to an end. It wasn't that all the things and the pain and the suffering and the anguish, Brother Mark, that he went through, it wasn't that it was over. That wasn't the part of what he was saying was finished. No doubt, listen, he'd, the pain he had been inflicted upon him, the, the stripes that he had taken on his back, no doubt all those things that he had, that they had been, the, the, the things that Brother Billy Dill preached about, all those mockings that he took, all that was over and he was glad not to be doing it anymore. But that wasn't the part he was saying. It was finished. He was saying the work has been complete. The meal that has been prepared has been made ready. The last piece of the puzzle has been put in place and it's time for you. Amen. He did that for you. It has been finished not for him, but it's been finished for me and you. I don't know if I've been six minutes, five minutes or ten. It doesn't matter. I hope I've only been four. I hope I give the rest of mine to Brother Wade to come and use. But I know this tonight. Jesus said it's finished.
He said, my job has been complete. But now he's beckoning to us to let our lives be complete. And tonight, as they get ready to come and bring this word and they're going to give an altar call, I want you to get ready for you to leave here tonight. Not in that broken place anymore. Not in those scattered pieces of your life anymore. But in a complete state. Because Jesus said, it is finished. And it's ready for you. It's finished. And it's ready for you. God bless you tonight. Come on, Brother Wade. The last time I was over here, I forgot to turn that on. And I was talking to the brother in the sound booth back there, and I apologized. I said, I'm so sorry I did not turn that on. And I knew you were taping it, and he said, that's okay. I was picking you up off that mic. So you might want to turn it down just a bit. We have a text tonight from Luke chapter 23, verse 46. The last of Christ's words from the cross. And Luke 23, 46 says this, And when Jesus had cried with a loud voice, He said, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. And having said thus, He gave up the ghost. Now, I find it interesting that Jesus' last words from the cross was Scripture. And Jesus gives us a direct quote here from Psalm 31.5. Right? Prophesy in the Psalms that uh, this is Christ's last words. And I love that. Now, so many of the things that Christ says from the cross are quotations from the Old Testament. And He shows us that everything foretold by the prophets was given to us by the Spirit of Christ. You see, what we have here is our hymn book. Not the H-Y-M-N book, but the H-I-M book. From Genesis to Revelation, this is the hymn book. It's all about Christ. And Christ there on the cross, in His last words, quoting from David in Psalm 31.5, says, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. Now, not the Holy Spirit. right? That's not what we're talking about. Not the Holy Spirit, but we're talking about His human soul. That Christ offers up to the Father His human soul. Now, we don't often think of that. But we know that He is eternal God. Very God of very God, as the Creed says. He's God. But at the same time, He's the man, Jesus of Nazareth, created there in the virgin's womb. A man, body and soul like you and I. Eternal God and perfect man at the same time. And there as He hangs on the cross, this eternal God and perfect man, body and soul, offers up His soul to the Father as the sacrifice for sins. And that's important. Because if Christ had no human soul, He could not have been that perfect man. You see, it was a man created in innocence, body and soul, that plunged us into sin in Eden. And it took a man, body and soul, to deliver us from that sin. It took the perfect man to prevail where Adam had failed. Where Adam failed, Christ reverses the curse. And if he had no human soul, he could not have been truly tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. 
And if He had no human soul, He could not have borne our sorrows and our griefs. And if He had no human soul, He could not have borne the wrath of God at sin in our place. And He, if He had no soul, could not have been the Savior of souls. But He did. And Hebrews 2, 17, 18 says this, Therefore in all things He had to be made like His brethren, that's us, that He might be a merciful high priest in the things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people, for that in He Himself has suffered, being tempted, He is able to aid those who are tempted. Why? Because Christ's body and soul suffered as you and I suffer. And the eternal God, I love this about Scripture, the eternal God, the very King of glory, condescended. He bowed low to take on flesh. The perfect being took on our imperfection. The all-powerful one took on our weaknesses. The one who is not moved and, and feels pain and sorrow like we did took on this flesh that feels pain and sorrow and walked in our place. And Isaiah 53.10 says that He made His soul an offering for sin. That He gave His soul in the place of lost souls. But you see, it's not just the words that are so astounding that He uttered here. Scripture says that not only did He say these words, and not only did He offer up His soul an offering for sin, but that He cried with a loud voice. And that makes preachers like me feel good. <laughs> that He cried with a loud voice. Now why is that important, preacher? Well, the cross, crucifixion, is death by exhaustion and suffocation. That's why, that's why you die on the cross, by exhaustion and suffocation. And when Christ had hung there for hours upon the cross, bleeding in anguish and suffering, suspended there between heaven and earth, forsaken by man and, and the Father had turned His favor from Him, as He's hanging there exhausted and bleeding and at the point of death, Scripture says that Christ did not whisper these words. He didn't gargle out these words. But that Christ cried with a loud voice, Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. 1 Corinthians 1.25 says that the weakness of God is stronger than man. And it may have been the bloody and mangled and weak Lamb of God hanging on the cross, but it was the Lion of the tribe of Judah that roared from the cross. Father, into Thy hands I commend My Spirit. And He made His soul an offering for sin. And Jesus gives up His soul there. And I want you to understand that it was not the blood loss. It was not the nails. It was not the exhaustion. It was not the spear. But by His own will and by His own power, He offered up His soul to the Father. John 10, 17 says, Therefore doth the Father love me because I lay down my life that I might take it up again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. And if I lay it down, I have the power to take it again. This commandment I have received from my Father. And when Jesus cries out, and when Jesus dismisses His soul, I want you to notice what happens next. In Matthew 27, verse 51, 
When Jesus cries out, dismisses his soul, Scripture says, and the veil of the temple was rent in twain, rent in two, from top to bottom, from top to bottom. And at Christ's death, when he offered up his soul, a sacrifice for sin, the veil of separation between God and man was removed once for all. Once for all. You see, ever since Adam had plunged us all into sin, there was a separation between God and man. At Eden, it was the cherubim with the flaming sword that barred Adam from access to the tree of life. In the tabernacle and later the temple, it was the veil that stood between the Holy of Holies, the very footstool of God and man. And when Christ offers up His soul, the once for all sacrifice for sin, the access to God is now opened up. Now as Hebrews says, we can come boldly before the throne of grace and find help in the time of trouble. And we have that access to God. But we don't want to leave it there. That's not all that happened. Didn't Jesus say, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again? Destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up again. When Christ dies and the veil is torn, the temple is no longer suitable for sacrifice. It's no longer fit to have sacrifice. You can't sacrifice in the temple any longer. Because the veil is now torn. When Christ dies and the veil is torn, God finally once for all rejected an earthly temple for all time. He rejected it for all time. The shale still stood for a few more years, but the temple was destroyed. And three days later, God raised up the eternal temple. Three days later, the eternal temple was raised. And when Jesus makes His soul an offering for sin, and God rejects all buildings and all priests and all altars and all sacrifices made by man, and God Himself raises up the eternal temple, the eternal priest, Jesus Christ. And now in Christ, He's raised and He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. How can I know that I'm saved? That I was saved yesterday, that I'm saved today, that I'll be saved tomorrow? How can I know that? How can I have assurance? you ever struggle with assurance? How can I know that I have assurance? I can know because Jesus Christ now stands in my place before the Father. I can know because in that place at heaven's judgment bar where I ought to stand, Christ stands in my place and that He ever lives to make intercession for the saints. Thank God someone is standing between me and the wrath of Almighty God. And it's Jesus Christ. Because I'll tell you, I'm not good enough. And I can't measure up. Matthew 5.48, Jesus sums up the law in the Beatitudes. And in Matthew 5.48, when He sums it all up, He says, Be ye therefore perfect, as your heavenly Father is perfect. And I've fallen short. And you have too. But thank God the one who is perfect, who made His soul an offering for sin, now stands in the place of imperfect sinners who by one offering perfected for all time them that are sanctified. God offered up the one sacrifice that forever cancels out the sin of the saints of the elect of God for all time. And it's Jesus Christ. Jesus made His soul an offering for sin. And because Christ offered up His soul to the Father, He is the acceptable sacrifice that pays the full price of my sins. Because Christ offered up His soul to the Father, He is the high priest who ever lives to intercede for the saints.
Christ. Because Christ offered up His soul for sin. He alone is full salvation for all who believe on Him. And as long as eternity lasts, He is the only temple. He is the only altar where God and man meet. It's only in Christ. Only in Christ. The altar, the temple where sin is cleansed, where wrath and justice are satisfied, and where grace and mercy flows. It's only in Jesus Christ. Only in Him. When the best that man could offer, God was destroyed that day. God gave the best that heaven had to offer. His Son, Jesus Christ. And I want you to know, Scripture says, that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's it. That's the gospel. Jesus Christ given for you. That's it. And Paul says that this is so serious. This is so serious. He says, if I or even an angel from heaven come to you preaching another gospel, let him be anathema, damned by God. That's how serious it is. That's how serious it is. Martin Luther in the German Reformation made it a point that every Sunday preachers had to preach the gospel and someone said, Dr. Luther, we're all Christians. Why in the world do we have to hear the gospel every Sunday? And Martin Luther said, because you forget it every Monday. You forget it. You'll come to church on Sunday and you'll worship God and say, thank God, salvation is all of Jesus Christ. And Monday you'll believe the lie of the devil and think, well, it's partly mine. Right, partly my responsibility. I've got to do X, Y, or Z, or I've got to reach some certain level of sincerity, or I've got to make sure I pray extra hard, or preach extra loud, or pray extra long, or, or do something. Doesn't matter what you do. You can't offer a thing to God that'll wash away your sins. You can't offer a thing to God that'll save you. You can't offer a thing to God that'll keep you saved. You can't offer a thing to God that'll make you any more than just one ounce of child of God, closer to God now than you were yesterday. The only offering for sin is the soul of Jesus Christ on the cross. It's Jesus Christ plus nothing else. Jesus plus nothing else. What's the hymn we sing? In my hand no price I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Would to God that the church lived like that, much less lost people, right? In my hand I have nothing to offer because Jesus offered it all when He made His soul an offering for sin. Y'all come. We're going to have a hymn. I brought the band with me, right? This is, this is Papa John and Mama Gail as they're affectionately known at, at, uh, at Old Zion. And they didn't know they was going to do this. They got recruited last minute, right? So they're instant in season and out of season. And we're going to sing a hymn. But I want you to know, and, and I stress this to my folks at Old Zion, if you want to come pray, we'd be more than happy to pray with you about anything. If you're lost, we'd be more than happy to pray with you, counsel you, talk with you, explain to you. We'll, we'll anything. If you have needs, cares, burdens, you want someone to pray with you, please come. We want to pray with you. This bench ain't anything though. It's nothing. It's nothing. Right? And don't think that by walking from there to here, something magically is going to happen. It's not. It's not. Why? Because Jesus Christ is the eternal temple. He is the eternal altar. And as Isaiah says, right? As God says to the prophet Isaiah, look to me. 
And be saved, all ye ends of the earth, for I am God and there is no other. Right? And so I don't care if it's back there. I don't care if it's up here. You look to Christ. He's the offering for sin. Turn to Christ and be saved. Turn to Christ and have assurance. Turn to Christ and have victory and joy in this present time. Let's stand together and let's sing a hymn.